like that whole section is nothing but <laughs> yeah, and then there's that Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jeremy Scott from CinemaSins. Bong! <laughs> and from music video sins barrett share hey 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 uh this is version two actually we're not we're not doing the same thing that we were going to do which is annoying because we were in the middle of the keanu reeves uh filmography but uh you know technology happened uh, or, or didn't happen or didn't happen uh to that uh to that podcast so now we're gonna just do a regular thing and i'm sure we'll comp- we'll finish the keanu reeves thing at some other point in time but after you've done after you've done one you don't want to do another one and try to feign excitement over it so um, <laughs> we're gonna do a basic ass show today um and we're gonna leave you hanging on keanu reeves 2000 to present but this will be fun too. This will be a lot of fun. We're gonna have fun. No, no, for we sure. Have fun for sure. Like you know, like people picking up the podcast a year from now, they're gonna have the Keanu Reeves Volume Two, probably, probably. I don't probably. Know. It'll be next year before we get to part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they won't even ready. know. They won't even know something happened unless they listen to this episode. Um. So, uh, aside from from being mad at technology, what are you guys angry about today? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. I feel like we've had enough time to build up anger at things, right? Mm-hmm. What do you got? Yeah. What do I have? Yeah. God, there's so much. There's so much that's made me angry recently. The death of Chadwick Boseman uh, itself makes me angry just because yeah. he was he was in his prime. The reaction that some, especially media outlets, had. Uh, was was really going to be my primary rant, but I I'm consumed and curious and a little weirded out by a new movie that's coming out on Showtime, CBS Access, Amazon, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck is is all these streaming services are incestuous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's called the Comey Rule. Oh, I saw that been, trailer. Yeah, if you've been following the world in the last you know year and a half, two years or so. Before coronavirus, before COVID-19, there was this big kerfuffle about not only uh, James Comey, the former director of the FBI, but his book that he was releasing, uh, which didn't contribute, but uh, partly was factored into the impeachment proceedings, uh, which were recommended by or in a sideways way by the Mueller report. All of this is very, very murky. My... (laughs) And that's part of my problem with this. So Showtime gets uh, people together to reenact mostly the parts of the book uh, from James Comey's memoir Mm -hmm. about this period of time where he served under President Trump. I still have not gotten used to saying that. Uh, And so you get Jeff Daniels playing James Comey. 
weird casting because uh, Comey's like six eight or something like that and terribly thin. But whatever. Jeff Daniels, amazing actor. Uh, you have Brendan Gleeson uh, playing uh, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. which is a little odd too. You have Holly Hunter playing Sally Yates, Michael Kelly, Andrew McCabe, all these politicians and diplomats that you've heard of recently. Scoop McNary playing Rod Rosenstein. Uh, Jonathan Banks, uh, Mike Ehrmantraut from uh, Breaking Bad, is playing James Clapper. Uh, yeah, Stephen Pasquale. Like, there's just amazing. Uh, there's one, uh, Yorma Tacone, I think, is playing somebody. Oh, no, it's uh, Joe Lotrulio is playing Jeff Sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. And uh, and uh, T.R. Knight from Grey's Anatomy uh, fame is playing Reince Priebus. From what I understand, these, uh, besides the Trump, which I'll come back to in a second, these are very much impressions. These are very much SNL, like, I'm going to do the voice of Rod Rosenstein. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the voice of Barack Obama or uh, Jeff Sessions or whatever. Uh, from w- the reviews that I've read, Brendan Gleeson plays a wonderful Donald Trump, meaning that <laughs> – let me state that in a different way. He has a wonderful performance of Donald Trump. I hear that Jeff Daniels – has a wonderful performance of James Comey. My question is, maybe you guys know the answer to this. My question is, why are you doing this now? Uh, are you are you trying to get it in before the election? Are you trying to uh, have some sort of – because it does kind of lean one way partisan-wise, even though Comey famously uh, kind of – screwed the pooch with the Hillary Clinton email situation or the DNC email situation right before the election. Um, what is the purpose of this? Why get such A-list talent to agree to something that we're really still kind of in the middle of? Do you guys understand this? I mean, is it just a, a money grab? Is it just as simple as, as that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, sure. It's capital. It's it's capitalizing on the fact that this story they think may not be uh, worth doing uh, after the election. Mm. Uh, when you know, capitalize it on capitalize on it when you can. It's kind of like when they got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch to do the Julian Assange thing uh uh-huh. like before really we know too much about the the person at all um you know like it, i don't i i feel like and we were talking about this um during our interview for robin's wish I'm, i know that this is a completely different aside but like the you know all we knew about robin williams was that you know when that fir- when that story first came up was people were like wow he committed suicide why is that and everybody came up with all these reasons for it and we find out you know much much later that he's got Mm -hmm. louis body dementia and like you know they the the, that story about that doesn't come out until way later and 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 when we're not even interested anymore or like when that sounds bad but i'm just saying when we're when we're done Talking about it is what when I your mean. attention is moved on, just as human nature, and, it moves and, on. And yeah. a nobody, nobody gets the real story on these things until much later. If you ever look at any sort of incident in history, go back and look. Go, go look at what like a Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia is not 
the best or anything, but go back and look at a Wikipedia entry for something that big that happened back in the day and look at all the stuff that has been discovered since the, that incident happened. It's, it's insane. Like, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know this happened. Holy crap. When did, when was this a story? Like that's a big story, but we were already done talking about it in the cycle. So like it, nobody got that really, except some news outlets that never got their story picked up. So like this James Comey thing and all that, we're not going to know the really what happened with any of that until years later, probably. Um, there are stories that have good information about what happened, but like, we're not going to know for sure until much Mm -hmm. later. So I don't like the idea of coming out with something like this uh so soon after it happened either i think that's i think they are capitalizing on it though it's kind of uh i mean they made they made 911 movies 5 years after it happened and that's and, true they did that sully movie like what 2 years after that happened? yeah yeah so like th- uh, 5 years may have been enough time but i think it was probably still too soon even after that mm-hmm. um uh but you know these movies uh would benefit by having more information at their at their fingertips they would be way better uh uh inter- well they would be way, way better entertainment to know what actually happened so yeah i agree yeah it's i, I mean it's if initially i guess you're going to get the salacious factor but it's likely you won't be rewatching these movies again, especially if there's a ton of misinformation about what actually happened, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, these, these are not going to be very accurate. Uh, you know, uh, maybe there is, maybe, maybe they will be, but I think still there needs to be some time before you, before you, you do it. Maybe a lot of this is true, but we don't know until, you know, much later. Yeah. And well, it could be something like, well, game change, I think was pretty soon after yes. the election, right? Yes. And that one seems like it held up pretty well, but also there was a lot less furtiveness with both campaigns, I think. Sarah Palin was many things, but certainly not like a secret keeper. <laughs> Neither was John McCain or yeah. Barack Obama at that point. So uh yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'm just I, I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of all this stuff coming out right now i mean of course you someone might say well then what is the the best time do you have to wait 10 years there have been plenty of movies that have come out 30 years after something happened and there's been new information that has come to light in some of those things so some people might say well anytime you start is fine as long as you have just enough basis to make any kind of story out of it yeah, it doesn't matter so. if, it doesn't matter if you're 100 accurate you know yeah. So I can see no. both arguments. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> That's my final word. <laughs> so yeah. I was going to rant about Kanye telling Nick Cannon that God told him to go up on stage and interrupt Taylor Swift's awards mm-hmm. uh, speech. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy to rant about Kanye anymore. Somebody fucking put him in a hospital and get him some drugs. Yeah. He's doing damage. Uh, what I decided to rant about is fresh from last night's experience. Uh, I'm watching a little Birds of Prey on uh-huh. HBO, which mm-hmm. I had never seen. You guys seen Birds of Prey? Oh, yeah. 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 A couple times. And I notice, particularly with Harley, uh, the fight choreography is pretty good. And mm-hmm. especially the editing, <clears throat> um, where there are lots of long takes, even if they're faked. 
And I happened to tweet out, Birds of Prey has better fight choreography and editing than most of the MCU. Oh, my. This is by far <laughs> the most divisive thing I have ever tweeted in my life. Uh, and I have had nothing but uh, massive support or massive opposition. Nothing in between. Um, Why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's true. I no, I agree. I totally agree. I think we have I think empirically. It's true. Okay, so um, a lot of people, at least four people. I don't want to call these people out if they're listeners to the show. So I'm not ranting about you particularly. I'm going to make this a bigger rant about dropping videos as a response in a short text chat conversation. Uh, Twitter limits me to whatever, 240 characters. I'm talking with words, right? And I say this, if you disagree, tell me why you disagree. Apparently, the Corridor crew, which I think is related to Corridor Digital. Yes, it is. One of their recurring series is real stuntmen break down good and bad movie stunts. And they have a video where they point out some not-so-great choreography and stunt work in Birds of Prey. And this is a long-ass video. And it's, like, being dropped here like I'm... Listen, I don't respect you enough to stop and go watch an eight-minute video that is your current (laughs) rebuttal to me. If you can't put your rebuttal in one or two tweets in this format, fuck off with your video drops. Because (laughs) you also forget the same people have made videos pointing out bad stunts in MCU movies. You just cherry-pick the one that fit this argument, and this is why I hate this kind of thing. And listen, people do this in movie discussions with our fucking videos, where somebody will say, oh, I love Prometheus, and somebody will drop the Sins video in there as though that's an actual argument. And it's not! (laughs) (laughs) Use words, people! Um... I was really annoyed. I was tickled by the general reaction. I was annoyed that a few people seem to think, here is a video link. This is all the evidence you need. I see people do it about us with one of the videos where people have made calling us idiots or whatever. One of the, some of the, one of the anti-CinemaSins videos. I'll see somebody like, I won't say his name, but a, a Twitter friend the other day said he really loves CinemaSins. Three different people came underneath him and just dropped the same anti-CinemaSins video as though, oh, yes, please, let me go watch a 20-minute oh, rant that you just totally changed my mind. My one <laughs> sentence. And just don't do that, people. If you, if you, wanna, if you actually want to have discourse, I recognize 90% of Twitter does not, and a lot of people are just trolling or making a point and moving on. But if you actually want to have a conversation, don't drop videos in the middle of a text chat as some kind of evidence. It's, it's a completely different medium. If we're talking long form over email, maybe send me a video, but maybe send me three or four so you've got more than one source. This is is an issue with um, uh, arguments as a whole on Twitter. Uh, It's 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 obviously not just movies. Um, uh, And and and. Yes, the video thing is certainly a, a big problem, but so is someone coming on and saying, oh, that would be great if you weren't so wrong. Yeah. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. And 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 like the 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 problem I see it I understand that you know the Twitter has a has a a limit and everything but I've always felt like if you're going to refute something you should be able to explain why the thing that you said is wrong is wrong. You should be able to be say like well look here like um I you know 
take this scene for example or whatever if you have to thread it go ahead and thread it um and, and go ahead and 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 refute it that way but don't yep. you know the the whole point of you put yeah like you said put a video there and you, and that and that's the 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 number one thing that people don't understand about the video thing that you just said about the how corridor digital has also looked at the marvels uh uh stuff and have said hey this is bad too um they haven't i don't think there's any one video that says well this is better than the other they're just pointing out bad stuff yeah in fact they're- all the titles say good and bad stunts in Hollywood movies. Every single mm-hmm. video about this says they point out good and bad stunts. Yeah. So yeah, you, ha- you know, that's the, that's the thing. I, I usually know not to pay much attention to a tweet that says something like that it says, or, or just drops a video and considers that the mic drop that they were looking for. I mean, um, I think it, it goes for even really good content. I love CGP Grey, right? Or CPG mm-hmm. Grey, however you fucking say yeah, it. I love it watching that that channel. He's really bright. I would never, in a conversation about gravity, go find a CGP Grey video and drop it in and say, <laughs> watch this. This is all the proof you need. Yeah. Because I don't think even he would say, I am the only source you need about any one of these videos. Uh, and this goes even further. God, I'm getting off the rails. This goes even further than just arguments online, but this goes for like news, right? Like I mm-hmm. preach to everybody I know, if you're a conservative and you love Fox News, that's great. But could you please add two or three other sources to get a well-rounded picture? Mm-hmm. Because I, I take a peek at what Fox News says, even though my politics don't necessarily line up. I look at what CNN says and Reuters, Reuters, fucking... I'll look at everything mm-hmm. as much as I can to get a well-rounded picture of the closest proximity to the truth rather than just taking one single source on any one subject. Not yeah. Do it. Not yeah, do exactly. It. Not got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. That's a, that is a rant that needed to happen for sure. Um, uh, because I, I, I hate that stuff too. And, and, you know, I, I don't know. I just keep wanting to harp on the fact that the, there's, there's more to your information than just the video. Uh, that you know exactly what you were talking about just the fact that that's not anything that says uh birds of prey is worse than marvel movies <laughs> and even if it right. did even if it did tell me why tell me why give me a, yeah. give me a good reason i also have noticed uh, i watched a few of those videos and sometimes they have the actual stunt people mm-hmm. from the movie they're talking about yeah and as would be natural in human nature, they don't often rip on that movie. Right. And while that guy's sitting there on the couch saying, that's me doing that stunt. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas sometimes it's that the stunt people are not the ones that were involved in the movie. And I'm not saying there's anything. Sh- those guys are awesome. Go sub to that channel. I've always liked those guys. Yeah. Corridor Digital awesome. No they, uh, one video is, can sum up any one topic. Yeah. Corridor Digital did some, some cool stuff with like making the Scorpion King better. The, the special effects. Oh, <laughs> those are the same guys. Are they the ones that did the violent home alone? Did the violent home yes. alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 They're really, they're really, really good. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, we're staying in, we're staying in movies today because I'm going to, I'm going to rant about, uh, uh, tenant for a little bit. Now I Ooh. like, I like the movie. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it a hundred more times before I understand it. But um, this is what I hear. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I, you know, after I watched it, 
I, I, uh, I wrote to everybody in the gang and said, you know, I, you know, this is a movie that has the actual number of times you're going to have to watch this movie forward and backward to understand it as that in the title, it's tenant. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I didn't realize that this was a thing that was a massive point of discussion about this film until this morning. Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan movies, by and large, we've known this forever. Uh, the dialogue track is hard to hear. It's uh, constantly being muffled by either masks or it is, uh, there is a lot of ambient noise in the scene that sort of drones over the, mm-hmm. uh, it's either, it's either ambient noise or the sound or, or the score itself, which is always like some sort of constant or whatever. And so, so people were talking like this through the movie and it's always like, and you're just like, Oh shit. I, this is a really complex movie guys. I don't know if I understood exactly what they're supposed to be doing here, where they're going or anything. And, and, uh, and so like I looked up this morning there's several articles about this and, and you know, the one thing that I was reading in these articles was that, well, he's won these Oscars that, I mean, his movies have won Oscars for sound and everything. And like, I just don't feel like an Oscar means, you know, like do, do they look for stuff like I could hear the dialogue clearly or do they hear, or do they, or do people who award Oscars go, Oh man, what they did with the sound was amazing. I don't like, know. I don't know if they look for stuff like that. And, and, um, and because certainly Nolan movies cannot be getting Oscars for clarity of dialogue. Um, so I, I don't know what, I don't know what the basis is for the Oscars. I can say that I can see, I can see a movie winning an Oscar for sound, but still having bad elements of sound. Um, like you could have done all sorts of cool stuff with the design and you just may not have been able to hear dialogue the whole time. Well, that's the case with Dunkirk for sure. Right? Yes. Because luckily there's not a lot of dialogue with that, but the, the score is so unsettling and the pops of the gunshots and all that stuff. The one thing that you can't hear, (laughs) it's the talking. It started for me with interstellar. That was the first time it was really distracting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think going back to some of his previous work, I can find times where you can see the ancestors of this type of sound design in his earlier movies. But Dark Knight uh, Rises, that was the, Dark Knight Rises was the thing because the, because the trailer itself had no one scrambling back to make sure that people could hear at all. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, so like it's, I, I, I don't understand the defense of it though. That's what I'm saying. If you can't hear things and that's a problem for everybody. And I guess that's, it's for the youngs and the olds who are watching this movie. Uh, then there's gotta be a problem. And I saw this one sound designer say something like, you know, you go back to star Wars and apocalypse now and all these movies, you could hear everything. Everybody's saying pretty, yeah. pretty easily. Um, uh, but they've, they've done this, uh, there, there was one discussion that said the reason why movies these days have a, have a, have a dialogue problem is that TV started getting better and they, st- and movies needed to do something to distinguish themselves. So there was all this different sound atmosphere type stuff that was going on that they started doing and to make things seem 
so much better in a theater. But what they're doing is, is they're shortchanging dialogue. And for a movie like Tenet, which is confusing as fuck, um, you know, you're talking about time travel. You're talking about paradoxes. You're talking about all this. Then you throw a, a big, complex Christopher Nolan plot into the middle of all of that. You're not only like trying to figure out what the what like how the world works, but you're also trying to figure out what the purpose of them doing the things that they're doing on the screen is. So like it's 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 hard a lot of times. And this is and it's and it's tough for a movie like Tenet, which I can tell you, even though I didn't hear everything and I didn't know anything, I didn't know what thirty percent of this movie was about. I was still like, oh, I'm really enjoying myself, but my God. <laughs> hey, this is cool. I have no idea what's going on. Hey, it's, I mean, visually, you can't beat it, man. There's a lot of cool <laughs> shit in the movie. But, uh, but like, th- this defense of the dialogue thing and, like, just because the guys won Oscars and shit – I mean that's that's a that's a petty defense. That's the that's the drop in the video on Twitter of defending, uh, you know, uh, people's uh, you know movie making habits or whatever. That's the oh he won Oscars case closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's that's what I want to rant about today. I think that we live in a day and age where I should be able to not only hear the ambient noise that you want to put in this thing that make the makes the atmosphere all crackle and, and pop and everything. You should be able to hear somebody pretty clearly say, we need to do this to do that and do the other thing. And then you have an idea of what the fuck's going on. So you got a great point. I mean, you know, in the prestige, it's, it's a little bit difficult for us gringos because everything, especially Christian Bale's accent is so pronounced in that North London, very specific. I don't think it's Cockney. I think it's just like very, very specific to that region. Mm-hmm. But like even Dark Knight and Batman Begins, you've got when Bale puts on the bad voice, mm-hmm. he's going to talk like that. And, and it'll get muddled. Like mm-hmm. even though you can hear it, and especially in the theater, you can hear it pop a lot more than you can in home video. Uh, Heath Ledger was was great because he over enunciated. That was kind of his character. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the bad force is just like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Uh, it 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 gets just overwhelming. There's no real reason for it. You you said Jeremy Interstellar is kind of like this. I don't remember oh, Interstellar. Hell yeah, especially the last third. Um, it's just that that's it's as much noise as there is music in that score, and it really drowns out. I haven't seen Interstellar in probably six months, but it really drowns out some of that dialogue with him and Anne Hathaway, especially him and the robots. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. End. That whole that whole spot when Matt Damon takes the ship and flies out of the planet. Yeah, that whole that whole area from the point that he flies out to the end of that whole sequence is impossible. And then, and then the afterwards where Matthew McConaughey is telling Anne Hathaway what he's going to do. Uh, and he's tricking her because he's sending her to the other planet and yeah. he's going to the black hole. Uh, all of that, like that whole section is nothing but. Yeah. And then there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Because you, you you not only add you add the fact that you can't hear the dialogue anyway, but you add like radio transmission sound to it and yeah. everything. So like it's impossible to hear even you know because that's that's an even that's a more distinct and more coverable sound by score and soundtrack and everything. So um, yeah, Interstellar is a definite uh, uh, violator of that. Interesting. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about Mubi. Yeah. Again. I tell you what, on Mubi right now, there's a movie from uh, Chanwook Park called Joint Security Area. Mm. Um, um, uh, Chanwook Park did uh, Old Boy. He did The Handmaiden. Uh, these are great movies. Um, and... Um, and uh, this one I had never heard of before. It does have one actor that you're probably familiar with. It's uh, Song Kang-ho, who is the older father guy in uh, Parasite. Oh. Uh, he's in all the... He's in oh, all, that guy. Uh, he's in all the Bong Joon-ho movies. Uh, he's in Snowpiercer. Um, but uh, he is in this. But basically the story about joint, joint security area is that it's it's North Korea and South Korea... It's the area where both of the, where North Korea and South Korea sort of like, uh, it's on the border. And uh, there is uh, a killing that happens on the North Korean side. And it's a South Korean that definitely did it. And so the Korean authorities have said, we need somebody neutral to come in and solve this case. But the, the, the neutral parties are basically instructed not to, not to like start a wild wildfire with their investigation. Uh, and, uh, and so like they, they have to be very neutral, very, very neutral, more neutral, like a neutral to the point of not even like, you know, reporting actually what happened. Uh, it seems like, uh, but, uh, mm. um, the, the, uh, the main investigator, and I don't know how to pronounce the name, but it's Lee young a or young a Lee is the, uh, is the woman that they send from a, it's a Swiss slash Swedish contingent that comes in to investigate this. And they start solving the case. And just as they're about to get to the end of the case, the movie flashes back to how we got here. And, uh, and it's this story about the, about the uh, South Korean guy finding himself in the North Korean side. And I'll leave it at there because there's a lot of things to discover about this movie. It's really, really good. Uh, it is often very funny in moments, uh, very mm. well acted. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a perfect type of movie to uh, to join movie with. Uh, mm. uh, uh, it's you know, I mean, I'm sure that the uh, Korean uh, version of this title, Joint Security Area, is not something that sounds exciting, but it is. It's very good. It's a good mystery. It's a you know, it's got a lot of layers to it. Um, I highly recommend uh, watching this. For so sure. this is in the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, right? Yeah, although they never say DMZ in this. Huh. I'm assuming it is. Just huh. just for the record, I'm assuming that's what that's called. But it's a it's an area where like you know you know you have both patrols sitting there, and they're always like on alert that there yeah, might they're, be an attack. They're literally face to face, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and this was back in 2000. 
So who knows what rules have changed back and forth, whatever. Things are so much better now. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. (laughs) This was, this was the Kim Jong Il era era, uh, of, uh, of uh, the, uh, of North Korea, but uh, highly, highly good and worth getting the service for. Nice. Get some movie for that. Yeah. You can also get a movie. I want to talk about buttholes. Okay. So there's a there's a there's a a feature on here uh that's called the the Blue Flower of Novalis, which is a a Brazilian uh movie that has a, again a very different uh title in Portuguese. Uh but it's it's a cinema verite thing about uh this quote audaciously bawdy queer poet Marcelo Diorio. Mm. And when I talk about buttholes, he is not a butthole, but he has one. Mm-hmm. And it's featured prominently in this movie. Uh, it opens on a close-up of his butthole. Uh-huh. And there's a reason for it. There's not just extraneous buttholes, just like you know, littering <laughs> the screen. That sounds like this. <laughs> there's, there's just one, the one butthole. And... And, uh, and yeah, so, but, but there's a reason for it. And the guy contemplates, you know, death and life and sex and incest and, and weird stuff, uh, that's happened to him in the past, his family, things like that. And I'm going to recommend two very experimental, uh, uh, features here. And this is one of them. Like, it's just, the guy is a, you know, you meet like a Hunter S. Thompson or you not meet, but like you see a Hunter S. Thompson or a, uh, a, uh, American Splinter, Harvey Picar, or uh, Crispin Glover, or like, uh, you know, uh, Chloe Sevigny to a, a certain degree. Like, just one of a kind people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Warhol, that kind of, Andy Kaufman. Uh, this is that type of guy where you're like, you're never going to be able to figure this guy out. You just want to sit back and listen to him. And it's hilarious. Uh, it's poignant at times. And. There are some buttholes, mm-hmm. but but the buttholes stand a purpose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there. So yes. There you go. So this is a recommend. The other one that I watched was a very strange film, a French film, French slash South Korean film called Isadora's Children. Mm. Uh, this is about uh, a, a a woman, uh, a, a choreographer named Isadora Duncan, who lived in the early 1900s. Man, this movie. <laughs> It's an exercise in patience, ah. meaning mm. that uh, there's three vignettes, essentially. The first one, about 20, 25 minutes or more, has no dialogue mm. uh, to speak of. And it's just this woman, this beautiful ballerina, practicing to do this number, this, this uh, choreographed number from Isadora Duncan, which is about the death of her three kids. And I have to admit, at the beginning, I'm like, God damn, seriously? Why Why am I watching? It's almost Tai Chi, the way she's moving. It's not, you know, big nutcracker ballerina stuff. It's it's very slow and methodical movements. And the more I watched this movie, the more it became meditative and became more reflective. And it became less of, like, my American tendency to be like, do something, mm-hmm. which I do often, uh, and more of, this is beautiful for what it is. And I really should be appreciating this. Uh, and it's filmed beautifully. Uh, Damien uh, Manival uh, uh, shot this. And it, sometimes you need movies like this to reflect more on the beauty of things and the, 
internal strife of things rather than bang, bang, shoot them up type of stuff, mm-hmm. which I also love. Yeah. Uh, but that was Isadora's Children is is very interesting. It's not your typical movie, nor is the one with the buttholes. But like this, this is this is what it's a terrible lead into. This is it what really you get is. from movie. <laughs> movie gives you a chance to experience all kinds of quote crazy stuff from all over the world: Brazil, India, France, South Korea. Uh, I mean, it's just in and, and America. Um, they've got a thirty day lineup. Each uh, each day, a new movie is added to this thirty day. Uh, thing and then they have this ginormous library full of all kinds of stuff that's been on the service before some other uh, films that have been curated and and kind of sorted into subcategories you're gonna love this you need a new streaming service people you need it you need it in your life mm. you need it in your mouth mm. you need it you need it in your body Mm. Go to movie.com, M-U-B-I.com slash CinemaSense. You get 30 days free. If you didn't understand that, it's 30 days free. 30 days of no cost, and you're going to love it. You're going to experience all this cinema that you've never experienced before, and gosh darn it, you're going to love it. And you had, you've heard us talk about it before. Do it now. <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, so uh, you guys got some recommends and warns? Totes amaze balls. There, great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. Okay, so in the past um, week uh, or so, I've I've gotten a chance to to watch a, a lot of like cool shit that I hadn't uh, hadn't seen. Uh, there's a there's a movie called Tampopo uh, that came out in 1985. Um, Tampopo is the name of the main character in the movie. And, uh, she is, uh, she wants to make the best ramen noodles in her town that she can possibly make her, her husband has recently died and, uh, she is serving to a, to a cafe of, 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 I guess, um, uh, uncritical eaters because they, they, she, she kind of packs this place up pretty decently with some regulars, but she, uh, one one day somebody walks in and they and they're not complimentary of the noodles at all and the two people who become part of the main part of this movie uh uh break it down to her and say yeah your ramen noodles are are not very good I mean, we don't want to mm. we don't want to you know we didn't want to say much or anything it's just that if you want to be the best this isn't it and um and so they help her uh, in all sorts of phases, this is what I love. I love stuff like this in movies. Uh, the main two guys, um, I can't remember the one guy's name, but Ken Watanabe, young Ken Watanabe is in. Oh, his, wow. You said this, 1985? Didn't even, yeah, didn't even know it was him the entire time I watched this movie. Huh. Um, uh, is, is, uh, they're the two that, that sort of help, but the, the, the other guy who's not Ken Watanabe, um, is the one who's like teaching her like how she should listen to orders and remind and, and, and remember the orders. If she's got like a bunch of them at the same time and everything and how to run a restaurant and all these things. And, uh, and meanwhile, there's a whole like thing where she's going into other noodle shops and trying to figure out how they make the best broth and how they make the best noodles and how they make the best, uh, pork 
and all these different uh, different aspects of it. So she's she's basically spying on everybody else, taking the best from everything uh, that she can, and trying to make the absolute best that anybody's eaten. Uh, the movie has all sorts of like different uh, vignettes in it because that's not the only story. There's the aside from Tampo Po, there's like all there's a gangster and his like girlfriend that they just kind of randomly show. This has nothing to do with the main plot at all. Uh, there's a there's like um, there's a there's a scene at the very beginning, and this is the scene that'll get you really into it. Um, there's a guy teaching Ken Watanabe how to enjoy ramen noodles. He's like, here's the bowl. And like, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that you like you, you, you put the, uh, the, the beef down into the broth just so, and you need to, and you need to observe the beef and, <laughs> and give it respect and, uh, and, 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 and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and like, and then you need to do this and that. And like, and, it, and it's like, it's like, wow, really interesting. I would have never thought to do this with, with ramen noodles and everything, but, uh, it, you know, it's the type of stuff that'll make you super hungry when you watch it. Uh, the, uh, the movie is uh, borderline absurd sometimes, but it's hilarious. And the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the main, uh, actress playing Tampopo is awesome in it. She's so good. Uh, you'll fall in love with her. Um, uh yeah, I really really enjoyed it. So uh yeah, that's my recommend. Excellent. Huh. Ramen. Ramen's Excellent. a big deal, man. Mm-hmm. I told you when I was uh living with a Japanese guy uh in uh, the first month of uh, Chicago, he would take me around to all these Japanese spots in the city and meeting his friends and everything. And when they do like a a Japanese feast, there's like a salad course and then there's like a, a seafood course and then there's a beef course and then there's a rice course then like uh there's there's a, another course in between that and you're stuffed all of a sudden an enormous bowl of ramen comes out mm-hmm. and you're like are you fucking kidding me right now mm-hmm. and you know my buddy is like 135 pounds soaking wet it's just like oh yeah time for ramen and he's just like you know you know slurping it and all that stuff i'm like god how do you do this then it's dessert time and green tea time uh so yeah i can i can imagine that the the process to get the broth correct is is like stuff of legends uh you know stuff that will we've talked about in jiro dreams of sushi and things like that yeah the simplest thing takes the longest to get perfect Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't wait to watch this. This is gonna be there, a good. One. There's just like little cool. There's really cool scenes in this where like she and the the other dude go to another uh, ramen noodle place and they stand behind the the this one guy who's running this shop that's got tons of people in it. And there's all these people who are just randomly giving their orders. They're not even waiting for the guy to say, "Hey, what's your order?" He's just they're just like ah ramen pork or whatever, and they're like okay. And so like all this stuff happens. And uh, the guy's like, okay, so what, what are the orders? It's like, the orders are this. And he, he starts going through the whole thing, like what he heard. And she goes, no, no, that's not right. <laughs> so like she, 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 she corrects him and, and, nice. and everybody starts clapping. And everything. Um, it's, it's just, uh, there's, there's like, look, there's just one random spot where like a, uh, a woman is teaching all these we- other women like manners when they're eating. That's a vignette that's in this movie. Uh, and uh, they're like 
you know, when you eat, don't make any noise. Don't slurp too loud. <laughs> you go blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, on the, while she's trying to teach this lesson, there's a dude in the, in another part of the restaurant who's just like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> it's encouraged. Yeah, and fi- and at the end of it, everybody's just like, "Okay, we're, we're that's what we're going to do," and everybody is slurping <laughs> up the ramen noodles and everything. So it's just it's a it's a movie that doesn't take itself seriously, but it's got a it's got a nice heartwarming story to it, and everybody's good in it, and it's uh it's great. Nice. All right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, stand-up comedy stylings of Mike Birbiglia. Yeah. Um, I have been finding them on Netflix. There are at least three or four, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I enjoy stand-up comedy. That's one thing we can almost consistently have the same tastes in. Uh, I had heard his name, but I had never, I didn't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we watched one of his specials, uh, and this was the one all about not wanting to have kids. Um, and, uh, I appreciate his comedy because it, it, it's very unique in that it's autobiographical. Most of what he's doing is telling stories and the way that he is funny is the pauses he tells in stories or the way he t- twists the story when you're not expecting it. And sometimes he whispers all the him. time. Yeah. Yes. Yep. He's so and, quiet. And sometimes yep. he like tells a joke and the audience is kind of chuckling. And he grins, and you can tell he's loving this moment. <laughs> um, he has twice that I've seen gone out into the audience to interact with people, um, and he's very funny at that. Um, but it, uh, that part in Thank God for Jokes, where he goes out and talks to the guy that's like, "What's your what? What crime were you arrested? Got arrested for? by a woman he's cop? Like, a woman cop put me in a headlock." He's like, "Whoa, <laughs> woman cop! Where did this come from? Uh, he just can they that vote? Guy. Yeah, um, can they vote? <laughs> he uh, he's very, very, very funny, and uh, we're gonna watch the rest of it. Uh, the the second special we watched was actually before." He had married. Actually, no, that's the third one we watched. The second one we watched was Thank God for Jokes, where he tells this hilarious story about <laughs> about going to an awards ceremony and being like the host mm-hmm. where um, David O. Russell is going to win a, like some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award. And he basically just reads the David O. Russell rant. <laughs> From that viral I Heart Huckabee's video. <laughs> and David O'Russell gets up and storms out. Um, it's a hilarious story, and the entire act is leading to he sets it up from the beginning and then keeps going back and telling stories that lead up to this event. Uh, and one of them he, he mentions something about it's a, it's a commentary on police shootings, and he says, you know, if a bear killed me, everybody would be angry at the bear. There wouldn't mm-hmm. be any there wouldn't be any doubt. There wouldn't be a press conference the next day with all the bears lined up and the boss bear walking forward saying, he's usually a pretty good bear. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he does these funny voices. Every time he does a funny voice, I cry laughing. Um, they're not even good voices. He does a bit about the Muppets where he does a, uh, a an animal quote. Like, what if the Muppets <laughs> cussed? And his animal is not even a good impression. But he goes, this fucking snare drum sounds like shit. And it's just uh, every time he does it. Anyway, then we watched a third one recently from before he ever got married. And it's all about not wanting to get married um, and telling stories about courting his now wife. Uh, mm. And so I've seen three of them. And they're all laugh out loud funny. And uh, I, if you like stand up comedy and you haven't given them a shot, uh, please do so uh, post haste. 
Yeah, absolutely. I got to see him at Zany's about 10 years ago. That's awesome. Nice. So that probably um, was before any of this, like before he was married or any, because the stories he tells about courting this woman, he's a, he's on the road stand-up comic like five mm, nights a week. So yeah, he was, he was much like Patton Oswalt, uh, was very anti-marriage, anti-kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you fall in love with that woman, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna make them happy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that, that one before he's married, that may have been the one cause he tells the story about how he cheated on his, uh, on his, did you ever, did you ever see that one? Is that, is that in that one? No, so. no, this one's called my girlfriend's boyfriend. And it's all okay. about stories where his various girlfriends also had other boyfriends at the same there's time. There's a, there's an earlier one where he, he tells the story about how he cheated on the woman that he really was in love with. And, uh, and he, he said that, you know, he, he, he was, he was a good, he was a good guy. You know, he never did this type of stuff and he was just getting, starting to get some recognition as a stand up comic. And, um, and, uh, this one, and this one woman, uh, comes up to him after a show and then, you know, and, it, and he goes, yeah. And then I cheated on, I cheated on, uh, you know, my, uh, my girlfriend and, uh, everybody's like, Oh, and he goes, I know I'm in the future too. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an art to stand up comic there, comedy. A lot of people, you know, I don't think very many people can do this where, you know, you know, you're talking about that whisper thing. Um, getting people uh, engaged in your stories and everything. That is a technique that somebody like him. And I hate to say Bill Cosby used to do yeah. as well uh, in his stand-up comedy. Like there's a, there's a way of engaging the audience where you're not necessarily being funny all the time. Dave Chappelle does this mm. um, where you're telling the story. And a lot of times this goes on for five minutes and you're like, is this going to end up in a joke? But you're also just compelled yeah. As to, as, so a lot of times the stand-up comics forget about the storytelling aspect of uh, of the of the art uh, the art form. So he's great. Yeah, yeah I love him. That David O. Russell thing is so great on so many levels. Like you say, he's he's telling a story about when he's writing the joke on the airplane, and then he's telling a joke about what happens. And uh, I'm not going to give away a punchline or anything, but the fact that. Like he, he tells, he tells the joke or he tells the, the thing and David O. Russell gets up and walks out and the publicist or the, whoever was running the show is like, I need to go after him. Will you go after him too? And he's like, absolutely. Because <laughs> A, he's going to come back and say, it's no big deal. And I'll be in one of his films or B, I'm going to be in a David O. Russell story. <laughs> he's going to beat me up or do whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like that's so perfect. It's so great. No, I love that. Uh, that special. I love, I love him. Um, I have an oldie recommendation. Ooh. Uh, this is a complex one for me, and it probably mm. shouldn't be. It's a 1999 mm. movie starring John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton, mm. Angelina Jolie, and Kate Blanchett called Pushing Ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. this. Mike mm-hmm. Newell. Mike mm-hmm. Newell of uh, Goblet of Fire fame and many others, of course, yeah, well, Four Weddings well, and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, think, you don't think the Harry Potter movie is his most famous movie? Oh, no. sure it is. Of no. Sure it is. 
No, it's not. Not for not for him directing it. No. Well, no, not for him directing it, but it is the most famous movie. He's it's directed. the most famous movie, but that yeah, but it's not the famous. Nobody not, knows he directed that movie, right? Like if you were to say Mike Newell films, you wouldn't be like, uh, well, right off the bat, what comes to mind is the Harry Potter movie. He well, it certainly wouldn't be pushing ten. Uh, no. It seems like. <laughs> People have overlooked this movie for many years because, of course, it was 1999. It came out in April of the well, late April. Uh, but there, there was a lot going on in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, this had John Cusack in his prime and arguably Billy Bob Thornton in his prime and Angelina Jolie in her young uh, actor prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Blanchett is fantastic in this, too. Uh, Jeremy, have you seen this movie? Uh, um, yes. This movie's about air traffic controllers. John Cusack and I've Billy I've seen Bob this movie Thornton. three or four times. I think the movie needs to pick a lane, but um, I do enjoy it. It's an enjoyable watch. I wish it was either about air traffic controller rivalries and, and the stress of that job or about couples who inadvertently switch partners and there's romantic drama involved. Now, see, but, I don't, I don't – I, I see what you're saying. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's that I use this word a lot bifurcated. I think it it, it is about both. And I, I just recently watched it again. When I watched it uh, the first time, this movie destroyed me. I, this movie has no business destroying anybody. It's a fairly lighthearted comedy. It's, uh, Cusack going kind of over the top after he'd kind of slowed it down with gross point blank and all that stuff. Uh, right before he does high fidelity, uh, and it's a, it's almost a farce, but it's also, I, I was in a tumultuous relationship at the time where we were both cheating on each other. Speaking nice. of which, uh, I'm in the I'm future in the too. Future too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the fact that not only do we know that Cusack cheats on his wife with Angelina Jolie and screws his, uh, his colleague in the, the process, which is, especially among air traffic controllers, not what you do. And the fact that Billy Bob Thornton sets in, in course of action, like uh, that he thinks he may be having an affair with Kate Blanchett, who's uh, uh, John Cusack's wife, was very emotional to me for whatever reason. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was fair. It made me angry. It made me sick to my stomach. Watching it now, uh, having not cheated on my wife in at least a few weeks, nice. It seems it seems a lot more... Career driven, like this is the this is the reason he's the guy that was never beaten. He's the best. And by the way, the scenes in the air traffic control are some of the most impressive dialogue that you'll ever see. You know, Cusack can always talk fast and say anything. He's always just like quick witted and, and quick talking. Uh, in fact, they make fun of it in this movie. Uh, Angelina Jolie's like, "What's the fewest amount of words?" that you can say to get out that door <laughs> after she slept with him and he's leaving. Uh, but the air traffic control is like uh, American airlines, one fifty. you turn left uh, 30 degrees, blah, blah, blah. And it's just absolutely lightning fast. And you do get what I think is an authentic taste of this lifestyle. And I think that the movie does do a decent job. It's not perfect. You're right. Uh, of overlapping those two things and the professional rivalry turning into an obsession. This is a story about, Cusack's character's obsession with Billy Bob Thornton's character. So much so that Billy Bob Thornton's character has to bounce from New York City and move out to Colorado to get away from this guy. And he'll tell you that. He said, one or two things is going to happen. Either I was going to kill you 
or I was going to crash a plane of Japanese, which is kind of racist, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and you can tell that they've both gotten to each other. And the ending is is it has been derided by Ebert and, and others about like how you know it's an Adam Sandler movie ending. Well, the the very ending, I'll give you that. But how things are rosy and everything. But when he does go to see Billy Bob out in Colorado, he's like he's like, what do I have to do to be like you? To to be let things go, to be cool, to be calm and collected, and he's like jumping that river right there, and it's in Colorado, it's in fall, it's cold, and so he gets in a little bit. But he's like, God damn it, why didn't you jump all the way in that river? And then he's like, All right, well I've got something else. And he's like, What? Anything is better than this river? And he's like, He's like, What is it? And he's like, You're gonna wish like hell that you jumped in that river. <laughs> and it's when they do the air turbulence thing when the 747 is flying over. That was, uh, I think that's the movie where I don't know if this is the if this is a, a true rule or not, but the heard that uh, they have this rule that if an air traffic controller has a has a near collision incident, that they they have to take however many weeks of a of a break. And then if it happens again, and then that's they're done. They get three um, strikes at least in the movie, and they call it deals. He's like, you had a deal, yeah. uh, and and so one happens, he gets called into the uh, the the office, and he's told to go home. He doesn't. He gets back on it and freezes and has another deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they they tell him to take a week or whatever, and he get three strikes at least in this movie. Yeah, and he's like I got. I had two deals within thirty minutes. I haven't had one in like eleven years of doing this. You know. Yeah, um, but it's it's a it's an interesting movie. It's got very good uh, character actors and leading a- actors, kind of in their primes, and it's an overlooked movie that I wanted to recommend. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about Better Help. Better Help. Better Help. I love Better Help. It is uh, personally useful to me. And I swear to God, people, think about where you're at right now. Think about what's going on right now. Not only, I know we've all talked about how difficult things are right now worldwide, specifically in the States, but really worldwide uh, with the pandemic and with a lot of um, social justice uh, initiatives being done, a lot of political upheaval. But think about you. Think about how this is all affecting you. You know, you watch TV, you watch the news, you you browse Twitter, you browse Facebook, and you see what's going on in the world, but you don't really think about how that's affecting you. Um, in, in the best of times, you can have some anxiety, some worry, some stress. Uh, sometimes you can have some sadness. You can have some depression. You can have uh, you can have some difficulty sleeping. Um if there is something that has been bothering you, if there's something that you think could uh, turn into a problem, a mental health issue, uh, if it hasn't already, go to BetterHelp.com. These are licensed counselors. They are in such high demand that they're hiring more. There are thousands of them. Uh, it's an online interface. You log in from your own home. Uh, you answer a few questions, you get matched with a therapist, that therapist will contact you very shortly afterwards, and you can set up your treatment plan, you can set up what you want to work on, and you start from there. Everything is just so insular. It's not dealing with insurance. It's not dealing with uh, you know a bunch of different people before you even get to your counselor. It's a wholly unique experience, 
especially online, especially when a lot of us are trying to distance. Uh, this is a perfect uh, uh, service to come along right now. Um, you know, uh, and take it seriously. Don't treat therapy like, you know, the video training at the supermarket when you got your first job where yeah. you try to get a yeah. passing grade and get through that. Is, that is bad therapy. That right is there. bad <laughs> therapy. Uh, take it seriously um, because if you don't think it can matter, it's probably not going to matter. And, right. and the other second thing I would say is listen to your therapist. You know, if your therapist suggests try doing some exercise on a regular basis, don't do what I did and ignore that advice for six weeks before you start doing it. Do some exercise. Your therapist generally knows what they're talking about when they give you some advice. Um, and uh, I think if you go in with, uh, with a positive outlook, you may uh, be surprised uh, how much this kind of uh, thing can actually help. You're goddamn right. I swear to God. The, 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 the most annoying thing, and yeah, yeah, this is an ad. I'm promoting this service. But the most annoying thing in the world, especially for three irascible assholes like us, is being told what to do, okay? And you have to trust that your counselor has your best interest at heart. And man, my therapist, my counselor has told me what to do several times. And my immediate gut reaction is like, hey, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) 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 And then I step back and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> that's why I'm here. Maybe that's part of my problem. I need to start doing this. Uh, so, yes, absolutely what Jeremy said. You have to be receptive. That's the whole point of this. That's why these people are here. Uh, this is this is what you need to be doing if you're working on something. It's It's very, very hard to do it on your own, if not impossible sometimes. I used to think that any of my problems could be solved pretty much by myself. It ain't the case, okay? You have to trust your counselor. You have to trust the therapeutic relationship. You have to be willing to be told what to do uh, at times and take that to heart. Uh, BetterHelp has a great service for it. They don't always boss you around and tell you what to do. They're empathetic and they listen and all that stuff too. Uh, So you go to betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P.com slash Sincast. That's the show that you're listening to right now, Sincast. And uh, it'll get you 10% off your first month. Uh, That is not nothing, uh, especially if you use the service uh, several times the way that it's intended to. You can talk, text, uh, chat, uh, do video chat. I mean, there's there's just so many options. This thing is a godsend, and I I really cannot recommend it enough. Go to betterhelp.com slash Zencast. And I hope this reaches the people that, that really do need it. And if you think you don't need it, just think for a second. Just be like, eh, let me check in with myself. Uh, you know, see if you need it. And if you do, go to betterhelp.com slash Zencast. Yes. Uh, next recommend will be Christopher Nolan's first movie called Following. Ooh. I've seen this movie a couple of other times in my life, but um, uh, I think the last two times I watched it, I must have watched it late at night or I was just watching it just to have – uh, to be a completionist about Christopher Nolan movies or something, because every time this movie has come up in the past, I'm like, I cannot remember what happens in this movie. Um, but watching it again, and this time under better circumstances, um, I really, really enjoyed this. And, and I, and I looked into like how, uh, how he made this and everything. It's a black and white 16 millimeter film. He made, uh, back in 1998, it took him a year to make it. Uh, because um, 
the cast and crew couldn't work uh, any other day except for Saturdays. No shit. So, so he had to he had to wait until Saturday to to basically like do a scene of the movie. And uh, even back then, Nolan was playing with narratives and time and all that. Um, the, uh, the the movie goes back and forth between. Um, it's about this guy who is, uh, he's basically bored with everything that he's doing. He think he fancies himself a writer and he starts following people around. Um, and he, he uses the excuse of, I need material for my writing, but you know, you start getting the idea that this is a bunch of bullshit. He just wants to start following people around cause he's bored and, and, uh, and he's, and he's got something, uh, he's got screw loose. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he uh he follows uh, uh he follows this one guy into a cafe and that guy knows that he's been following him and uh that guy comes up to him and says uh, I know you why are you following me Do you, you know what's what's going on and um uh, eventually they strike up a, a, a I guess an uneasy friendship they're not really friends in this movie it doesn't feel like this guy's like like uh here do what i do i i go i go into people's apartments and just uh and just steal really like irreplaceable things basically that's what this <laughs> is that's what his whole deal is he'll go in and steal photographs and steal steal an earring and then like sometimes he'll steal the earring and put it in a different place and stuff <laughs> like that and his whole reasoning for this is um, he's like, people, people will know that they've been broken into and they'll really assess their, you know, like they'll really appreciate the things that, that they have in life and everything. That's his reasoning for all this. The movie goes back and forth between our main character, uh, learning this stuff and further in the future where he is, has, has done this a number of times. And the, the movie, you can tell where it's, uh, where it's, uh, changed in the narrative because he's all clean cut his hair is all different and everything and there's even another section of the movie that they keep going back to where he is beat up so you have to like huh. kind of figure out where you know is this before this and the, and christopher nolan will put in little scenes where like why is he coughing up a plastic glove why is he doing that now and that no explanation until like way later in the movie hmm. um uh, it's just an interesting narrative, an interesting story. It's not Christopher Nolan's best movie. It's his first movie. It was made, you know, for like $7,000 or something like that. Jesus. Um, yeah. But, uh, but it's, it's really interesting how it goes. And like, once you find out where this movie ends up, uh, where it leads by the end of it, uh, this is another one of those Christopher Nolan endings where you're like, oh, fuck, that was pretty well done, man. Like that the way he set up all of that is is pretty incredible. You know, like by the end of it, you're like, holy mm. shit, uh, there's because there's a lot of nice surprises and everything. Uh, so following is his first movie. I, I recommend it. Uh, it's it's been I don't know how long ago it was that I saw it the last time, but uh, I recommend it. Oh. Uh-huh. All right, all right, all right. Uh-huh. I got to get after that. Is that uh-huh. just on uh, Blu-ray or DVD, or is it, did you find it on one of the streaming services? Uh, I found it on, um, I think it was Amazon. I may have had to rent this, but I think you can get a Criterion. Oh yeah, uh, version of this. I may. Have, I'm trying to. See, did I see? Because Criterion is on HBO Max. A lot of Criterion is. Um, but I don't think I saw it on that. 
Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember, but yeah, look for it either on like HBO max or Amazon. One of those places. Uh, it's 70 minutes. It's, 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 oh, a, wow. it's a TV episode <laughs> uh, length. So, uh, you know, you can fit that in no problem. Uh, and it's, you know, obviously it's best that I don't tell you everything that happens in it. Cause it's one of those kind of movies. So, all right. All right. I'm going to give you all some really bad advice. Okay. Please ignore everything I'm about to say. All right. I'm going to warn you away from a film that won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. Mm -hmm. Oh. In the late 80s. Considered one of the most famous food movies of all time, which is why I watched it. uh, Babette's Feast. Mm -hmm. Oh, Babette. Oui, oui. Yeah. I told you already, this is some bad advice. You check the internet. They're going to tell you I am wrong. They love this movie. It's a 97 and Rotten Tomatoes, for fuck's sake. Mm Mm-hmm. This movie bored me to tears. This movie made Dr. Shivago feel like an action romp. Oh, you <laughs> fucking hell. It's That's impossible. As death. This movie is boring. It's two old ladies. You just get used to the old ladies, and suddenly they're young ladies, and they're dead, and they live in fucking. Denmark or something. It might as well be <laughs> a hill. There's five huts with thatch roofs, and that's the town. And and he won't let the daughters marry any of the suitors. There's ugly guys that want to marry these girls and give them a life. And Dad says no because he's a dickhead. And now we flash forward, and these two women are spinsters, and they're in their like seventies, and they're old and mean. And this movie is not about food yet. at this point you have sat through two full hymn singings at french church Mm -hmm. i'm I'm talking about like the treme we're gonna let the whole goddamn song play even though it's in french now granted they probably made it for french people but last night i was the audience and i did not appreciate the two full hymns sung in french (laughs) and then babette shows up this is like barely like maybe halfway through the movie, maybe like a third. Babette shows up. Is she one of the uh, spinsters? She shows up to live with the spinsters. Her, I think, husband or dad says, "Oh, she's got, she's got melancholy. She's, she's <laughs> needs her. She needs help. Take her in. She's, she's got a refugee. The melancholy. She's a refugee. <laughs> and they're like, well, we can't pay you. And she's like, that's okay." And so for 14 years, she cooks all their meals and doesn't get anything out of it. Then she wins the lottery. Are you guys having fun yet? Because I sure <laughs> And how The lottery's she, fun. She, well, yes, you would think. And she finally <laughs> can escape and go back to Paris, where she's from, and get back to her life without melancholy. Uh, but no, <laughs> she spends all the money on making a feast for these two old ladies who haven't paid her a dime for 14 years. That's mm. why I said in my email to you guys, this is like some kind of Jesus meal or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to show my love. It's the book of for, Job. For you being mean to me, basically. And they were like, oh, what a nice gesture. We'll use our super wealthy money that we couldn't afford to pay you with all these years to do the feast over with all the expensive ingredients. And they send somebody off to Paris to get all the fine cheeses and whatnot. She makes the meal again. They invite all the townspeople over and she gets them all drunk. She gets them all drunk before she even serves a course. So, of course, they're going to love this goddamn meal. Um, and I turned it off. There was maybe 20 minutes left. And I hated it. I hated it. The production values felt like an early 80s TV movie or soap wow. opera. 
And you go online and it's a haunting story of pain and redemption. <laughs> and I don't care. I don't yeah. care. Babette can, Babette's I, feast can go away. I always wonder why. I mean, I haven't seen Babette's Feast. There, there's a, there's a, there's a chance I watch it and go, God damn it, Jeremy, you are just, you know, you're just wrong. There's but, a chance. But uh, hearing you describe it, uh, it reminded me of, and this movie doesn't have nearly the accolades, but uh, it reminded me of Old Joy, a movie I saw, uh, I don't know, 14 years ago or so. And it's that director that uh, had uh, the cow movie. Uh, <laughs> the cow movie that you Oh, uh, I forget Aaron. her name. Oh, uh, Kelly Reichardt? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Did did a movie called Old Joy where it had like stunning 100% Rotten Tomato score. Like all this just incredible reviews and everything. I went to go watch that motherfucker. I was like, this is so god damn slow and boring and terrible um and uh and and i was like what are people seeing out of this that's so amazing and 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 it really does i don't i don't like i don't like the idea that there's like this huge contingent of people who love a movie that when you go watch it you don't see any of the things that they see like you it does make you wonder if there's something wrong with you when you when that happens and that and and there's an, an added element to you hating a movie uh, where it's like, I don't get what everybody else likes about this. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes a movie like Babette's feast, maybe one influencer saw the movie and said, this is great. I highly recommend it. And then all the other critics that followed suit said, yeah, well we better say it's good too, because that guy's so respected. Yeah. So who knows? Did the the food look good? No, it wasn't even food porny. It didn't even look very appetizing because it's poor Danish hill country, 1400s fucking who knows when food. It's not, if it looked good, it wouldn't be true to the time period. <laughs> even if it did look good, it wouldn't have made the movie good. <laughs> no, not for me. <laughs> well, I'll bring us home with, uh, with a good food movie. Mm. Uh, mm. It's, a movie it's a movie called Soul Food. Yeah. Uh, you can tell I that we this watch a lot of food movies as a group uh this was 1997 uh it came out uh it was directed by george tillman and produced by babyface uh if you guys are are too young for this kenneth babyface uh edmonds was the shit in Mm -hmm. the 90s when it comes to producers i'm trying to think of uh mike will made it um you know any of the swedish dr luke uh like some of the producers that are legendary. Kenneth Babyface Edmonds uh, was Edmonds was one of these. He's from. I he was everything. Like almost every song, it seemed like that would come out would have his name attached to it. Exactly. He was either the writer or the performer of the song. Now, this movie is not about music, but there is music in it, and it's awesome. Three <laughs> uh, sisters um, that uh, that have a mother called Big Mama. Irma P. Hall, uh, who was oh, uh, Irma P. Hall's great. Lady Killers, uh, yeah, Lady and, Killers uh, and uh, a family thing. If you've ever seen that, movie. yeah, 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 several things. She's spectacular. She's the matriarch of the family, and what they do, even though they've got arguments and they've got different lives and everything, the daughters and their significant others, their husbands and everything, they all come to Sunday dinner, and they have Sunday dinner. Big Mama makes it. 
the the sisters help out. It's been a tradition for 40 years. Okay. Now this is set in Chicago, but she brought her recipes up from Mississippi. And so there's cream corn, there's mac and cheese, there's pinto beans, there's string beans, there's fried chicken, there's ham. There's just all this beautiful, oh there's collard God. greens. Uh, there's all this beautiful, beautiful uh, food that they don't shy away from. There's chicken and dumplings. Uh, the reverend always, they come over after church and the reverend always comes over because Big Mama makes the best, uh, the best uh, Sunday, Sunday dinner. And of course the Reverend's all pervy and like macking on all the women and everything. He's, he's just a bumbling old Reverend. You know, I just got to touch some boobies and everything. Oh, hell no. God, you know, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus saves and everything. Uh, but, uh, you know, after, uh, there's a health issue that, uh, puts big mama in the hospital and her grandson, uh, played by Brandon Hammond, uh, beautiful performance by him. Uh, He's trying to keep the family together. Family starts fragmenting and everything. Uh, the the three uh, the three sisters are played by Vanessa L. Williams, uh, who used to have a pop career too, and she was also Miss America for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, played uh, another daughter played by Vivica Fox, uh, and Nia Long is the youngest uh, daughter. Uh, she is engaged to actually just got married to Mackay Pfeiffer, who's also excellent in this movie. So every all the performances are fantastic. Uh, but it's, a, it's about family. It's about how food, and they actually explicate this in the movie, how food brings everyone together where you can, even if you're pissed as hell at somebody, you can put that to the side and share a meal with somebody. And that's what Sunday dinner was all about. This is very, very near and dear to my heart because this is how I was raised. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know how being a preacher's kid uh, worked for this kind of thing, but my family always after church gathered at my grandparents' house for Sunday dinner. And we would have very similar food to this. Uh, my grandmother was an excellent cook, as was all of her sisters. Uh, and I was an excellent eater. And I would I would eat and eat and eat. It's the type of food that you not only want to eat, you want to eat a ton of. Mm. Cornbread, you know, all this stuff. And and it, it very much... Between the the scene, of, man, we shouldn't even talk about it right now. <laughs> Between the scenes with the grandmother and the grandson, it gets uh, extremely emotional for me. Oh. It got it got very dusty in the room, mm. uh, and uh, it's it's just a good movie. It's a very very food forward movie, and food that I'm very familiar with, and it just felt like a big old comfort blanket around me both from the family aspect and the uh, and the food aspect. By the way, there's a really foxy woman, Gina Rivera, <coughs> who was in Showgirls. She played uh, 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 Jesse Spano's friend. Yeah, you know yeah. Her first yep. friend. Uh, yep. Gina Rivera is, is so beautiful, and she ends up fucking one of the sister's husbands and, and stuff. But... Mm-hmm. Mostly it's about the food and the family. <laughs> but yes, I wanted to throw in Gina Rivera, who is a delight in this movie because she's not only uh, lovely and talented, she's also very beautiful and very sexy in this movie. Nice. This is a movie that has eluded uh, uh, me over the years, and I need to watch it for sure. This, was, this had uh, good reviews when it came yeah. out. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that's uh, going to be on my list definitely watch i think you guys would absolutely dig it 
what is it, Jer- what, Jeremy? What did, what did you guys do after church? Did you guys have like a, a set? Did, like uh, you, kn- you haven't seen Righteous Gemstone, but they go out for Sunday lunch <laughs> after church lunch at a restaurant. I mean, it was always one of three things. We were either hosting somebody from church in our home for a meal. Or we were being hosted in somebody's from church's home for their meal. The, the big thing to invite the pastor and his family over for Sunday lunch. Or we were having a potluck at church. But oh yeah, yeah. What yeah. I remember is that, and this is bitter, is that I wasn't, I, I wasn't out of character until after Sunday lunch. I sure, you had to behave just like yeah, <clears throat> did at church, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I think this is uh, ultimately a truncated uh, podcast. I think it's going to end up being about an hour and a half, but that's fine. We've already we've talked so much. We did the two hour one the other day that got completely ruined. So. Uh, so, yeah, sorry about that. For those who usually see, you know, hear the two hour versions, uh, we we're done. We're spent um, like a cheap hooker. <laughs> yes, bear it with always making it worse. Um, did I tell no. you that? Did I tell you that story about uh, how I went in when we first moved to Chicago? It was like a hundred degrees in June in Chicago, and I had to go into a meeting with the faculty to introduce our program. And like the head of psychiatry, the chair of psychiatry is in there, and like all the staff, all the the attendings and everything. And uh, I was so hot, dude. It was like, it was so hot out there and I'm in the business suit and everything. So I walk in and, uh, Will Cronenwed, the attending, uh, chief of medicine introduced me and I was like, sorry guys, I'm sweating like a whore in church here. Right. <laughs> nice. And uh, nobody laughed at all. Yeah, I was not. like, that's nobody a great icebreaker. Been- Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um okay well that's going to do it for this week uh keep going to sincast presented by cinema sins on facebook we're also on cinema sins twitter music video sins twitter we're on soundcloud we're on discord if you want to get on discord you can go to our reddit page and find a link on the right side of the page there or you can uh, go to the facebook page and private message me there that's going to do it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Hey, Jeremy, do you really like that Marlowe 2 record? Yeah, baby. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, but that's specifically... I haven't heard one bit of it because the last three weeks have been wall to wall fucking sin scripts. So yeah, no kidding. I haven't had, I, I'm finally seeing some fucking brightness, uh, uh, in the next few days. So, um, I will be able to, uh, look that up and maybe possibly awesome. listen to it or maybe even buy the album. Future um, power sources rules my ass. Yeah, that's the best one. He's got those three different flows where he's like, and then he breaks in, and then he kicks into, I used to be, and then he's so fucking good, man. Enough of it, man. Oh, jeez. That guy. Let's be done.
let's uh <laughs> let's not do any more <laughs> is that Are you okay? giving me shit hurt? <sighs> um, jeremy's mouth has been through a lot today <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I happened. know. <laughs> I know. As long as we don't go the full two hours, I'm, I mean, my jaw's my jaw's a little saw. My my jaw's a little sore. <laughs> Unfortunately, Chris didn't hear that, even though it was an accident. Nice, um, nice. So you got yeah. a deep clean on those fuckers. I heard huh? Jeremy say I didn't hear that, and I did definitely did not hear that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I got a deep clean, so they went in. Like you can even see one half of my bottom teeth is really clean. Oh yeah, and the other half is dirty because they only wanted to numb my face one half at a time. So I got to go back in November for the other deep clean. Jesus Christ, dude. I can't feel my face when Seriously. I'm with you. I've been telling everybody I know, take good care of your teeth. This is like driving me crazy. Um, I, I had a back there for shit. I had a thing a few years ago where they just blasted them white. Basically, they just <laughs> I mean, they, like a big light. Yeah, they man, it was like Dumb and Dumber, where they were like you know <laughs> shaving their toenails off or whatever. They had just, <laughs> the grinder. Yeah, but I remember after it was done, I went to a, a lunch or something, and I'm sitting there talking, and my mom who doesn't want to just immediately address it to me, go talk, says to somebody like my brother or something. It's like, I think Chris's teeth look really white. Like, just <laughs> fucking ask me. <laughs> it's like a stage whisper. Yeah. I think, I think they look pretty white. You guys ever seen tentacle porn? I have. No, no. I haven't. Uh, I did real quick. We went to a, uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a there's a grocery store in Chicago, a Japanese grocery store, and it's like a supermarket, like a big mega market for uh, uh, for for the Japanese. And uh, my friend Maso was like, "Hey, come over here. Here's where they keep the the manga and the the books and all that stuff." And I was like, "Cool, man. That's that's really interesting." And he was like, "And here's the porno." And uh, <laughs> And like I went over and I I opened it up and there's this fucking octopus like fisting a a woman in the butt mm, and I mm. was like oh this is like in a an adult library and he's like no 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 the kids section is right there. <laughs> oh no <laughs> Robert Pattinson has tested positive for COVID oh damn mm-hmm. I and I saw well, that uh, the Rock did. The Rock and his entire family. But I saw earlier today the Batman shut down production because of a single COVID test, and it turns out it's fucking Batman who tested mm-hmm. positive. Yeah. Yeah, see, there's your problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> if you get if you get the Batman as the, the positive test, that's your problem. Yeah, yeah. Probably a good idea to shut down production if your Batman has COVID. You're going to want to shut this down for a while. They should have put it under control. They should have put it as part of the plot. Is what they should have done. <laughs> He's beating people down. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, having trouble breathing. And then I'm Scarecrow, well. <laughs> Scarecrow comes in with his like pixie dust or whatever. It's like even worse. <laughs> you have COVID. Yeah, <laughs> God. it's totally what he sounds like. It's exactly what he sounds like. She, uh, she, and Mackay Pfeiffer get it on. It's no yeah, Mackay Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day, Mackay Pfeiffer and Tay Diggs were just tearing it up, man. Yeah, they were. Can you imagine what what it was like to be them in the nineties? Oh my was god! It, was it Tay that got Stella her groove back? <laughs> yeah, Tay was in how Stella was, got. I her. think there were several people that got her her groove back, but mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, Tay was, was the the main one, right? Yeah, that was Angela Bassett. Yeah. 
Hey, you know what I've become a master at? Is uh, Reuben sandwiches. Oh. Oh. Yes. You get oh. the corned beef. You get it sliced fresh. Oh. I uh, My mom actually makes canned sauerkraut. I hate sauerkraut, but I bet it's good well, for you. I understand. Uh, and you put a, a little melty cheese on there. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you broil that thing. You, you toast your bread only on one side, the inside. Yeah, yeah. That way yeah. you get the soft on the outside, the crispy on the inside. Okay. And it is beautiful. That's well, they have the sandwich here, but there doesn't seem to be any Rubens. Hey, oh, there you go. <laughs> Quiz show in mm-hmm. the house. That's right. Nice. Um, do you think something like sauerkraut, Jeremy, is something that you hated before and you have poo pooed it since, but. Maybe if you ate it now and it was prepared the correct way, you would be like all about it. Or have you eaten sauerkraut recently? It's a, no, no, it's entirely possible. I probably I haven't had sauerkraut probably since I was a teenager in college, and I'm sure even then it was on accident. So it is something that I probably should <laughs> revisit. Um, to be fair, because back then I w- I wouldn't have liked cabbage, but I eat cabbage now. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like coleslaw, and I'll tell you what, I'll eat coleslaw. But I got to salt and pepper the shit out of it because every coleslaw I find here in Tennessee is sweet as hell. Like it's yeah. some kind of dessert. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at cabbage and carrots and like, how is this so fucking sweet? Yeah. But um, I will eat it. So you got to get you that vinegar right. slaw. Yeah. yeah. Sauerkraut is one of those things that I would not eat. But like you, you, you know, like now that I've had it on sandwiches, like the Reuben and all that, that's mm-hmm. uh, it's I feel it's good. It's good stuff. It's a good compliment to that sandwich. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I got I got funky tastes. <laughs> I like I like the funk. I watched Hard Knocks the other day. Yeah, uh, the the new one, and I was like, "Hey, this is something I enjoy." You know, I forget how much I like Hard Knocks until I watch an episode of Hard Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. And they were going through stuff, and I was like, "Oh, it's cool. It's the guy that's on the 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 bubble of being cut, and then that's the guy that's doing really well. It's the guy that's holding out for the the new contract and all that." Uh, it's the coach cursing every other word and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, then I, I realized I was like, nobody outside of this, outside of the stadium is wearing a mask and nobody inside the stadium is really wearing a mask. If they are wearing a mask, they're pulling it down to talk, mm-hmm. which is the dumbest goddamn thing that you can ever do in human history. And so it started giving me anxiety. I had to turn it off, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. God. Like they're they're out and like one guy's in like a recording studio. He's like music has always been my life, and he's in there like recording without a mask and like hanging out with his friends. And then he's going back in the locker room just like breathing on his buddies. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, well, and then you have good. people like Kirk Cousins who's like, well, if I die, I die. I went to a gas station the other day, and you know some rando walks out of the uh, walks out of the Tiger Market or whatever, just not wearing a mask, sipping on his drink, and uh. And I was like, is, is he one of those guys? Like, I, like, I don't want to judge the reason why they're not wearing a mask. Cause there's a variety of reasons why people don't wear masks. The, the one reason is, Oh, I don't believe in any, any of the thing that's going on. The second reason is, do you think there's people out there who don't wear a mask because they still think it's about protecting themselves yes. when they put a mask when they, cause, and so they don't care. So they're like, well, if I get it, I get it. Yes. Uh, and and they don't wear the mask because they still think it's because it you know it's protecting them and not other people. 
Mm-hmm. And I see that. I see that. I saw the dude walking out, and you can read anything you want to on a dude's face when he's walking out of a gas station. But uh, it looked like he was he he had this defiant look on his face as I approached the sliding door and everything. Like here comes somebody with a mask. You know, hope I don't get it. Hope I don't have to have a uh, discussion with this guy. Blah blah. blah. <laughs> you know? But it just looked like in his. It looked like I, I I just read a million things that probably aren't even in that dude's head, but. I was sitting there thinking, is it is it because he thinks that it's it's to protect? It, he thinks master to protect himself, so he's just going to take the consequences, whatever. He doesn't. It's not about like I think that's the original message that got fucked up about COVID. Yep, right? yep. That was the original yep. thing. Nobody nobody straight up and and straight up just said, you know, hey, the mask is for protecting others. It's not for to protect you at all. And nobody said that right up at the top. And so there's been a confusion about why you wear the mask since. I agree. Taint right. It's like, uh, what is the the knockoff Mr. Skin site and uh, knocked up? Uh, uh, I can't remember. Where she's like, oh, 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 Bush, Bush, Bush. It's 16 Boop minutes, Bush. Bush. Boop and Bush. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, like Mr. Skin. What? Like Mr. Skin. <laughs> this is exactly the website we're trying to come up with. Yeah, I know. They go back flesh, and it's flesh of the stars. Flesh of the That's stars. Right. <laughs> they go back you want to find where your favorite star is in the nude. <laughs> he, he mentioned that uh, when he wrote the, or when he collaborated with the graphic novel guy, he was like, they invited us over to their, their home in Brussels. And I was like, man, how close is Brussels to Paris? Is it like going from here to Bowling Green or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I looked it up; it's like five hours away. No, yeah. So it's not just you know neighbor. But what's really cool? Close. I, I've been I've been talking to this guy who who basically lives in Germany, and he always talks about how he gets on the train and goes to this place, this place, this place, and this place, and it's like, oh, so you just get on the train, huh? And just go there. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. awful. <laughs> I was actually looking up because it seems like London and Paris are like Gotham City and uh, Metropolis yeah. and Batman v Superman. It's patterned after, but uh, but that's also five hours away unless you take the the Eurostar train and then it's like two hours. Yeah, you just go and and when there. I went out there twenty five years ago, we took a a ferry and it was like an hour or two, something like that. So. That's badass. Well, I mean, we were gone. From Paris to the the Riviera, it only took like three hours to get from north of France all the way down to the 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 sea, mm-hmm. and that was going like I think around two hundred fifty miles an hour or so on that train. Mm-hmm. It was it was badass. I bet it was yeah. pre Channel though. Channel came in maybe a year or two after that. That was my favorite fake Seinfeld movie. Was Channel? <laughs> you have selected. Agent Zero. <laughs> it was that and that prognosis negative. negative. Yeah, prognosis negative. Very observant of you, Barrett, to, to notice the taking the piss part of the movie. <laughs> Are you having a laugh? <laughs> yes. Which is uh, the thing in uh, extras that the that Ricky Gervais always says on his hit TV show. Are you having a laugh? You having yeah, a laugh? Yeah, That's yeah. this big yeah. catchphrase. <laughs> One of these days I'll learn how to conversate, right? Yeah. And uh oh my and, god. See, you know, you're going to so. you're going to start saying that you're going to say that not a word enough and you're going to start saying it for real after a while. 
conversation. I'm going to say, are you having a laugh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you having a laugh? Oh, I kind of wanted to spice this one up for some reason. I was like, you know, yeah, what? it's because we've got it's because we've got new day energy. That's why. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh. It's a Friday, bitch. They've been fucking my shit up. Fuck my <laughs> shit up right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> She's super sexy in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dirty but sexy. Well, yeah, it makes it sexier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember because she was in uh, Hitman, wasn't she? The uh, Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> Hitman. No, she was in. No, she was in the Marky Mark uh, video game. Uh, oh, Max Payne. Max Payne. Max Payne. <laughs> <laughs> Those are identical movies to me. But that's Seriously. the funny thing about Mila Kunis <laughs> is that Mila Kunis has never really played sexy. She's as hot as right. it can be, but like she's she ra- she rarely ever played like the vamp or anything like that. So yeah. uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall might be in the running. Yeah, oh, yeah. Every every yeah. the next the girl next door type on that in that. Oh, when they're hiking up the mountain. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he's Your like, "Vagina showing." I didn't realize <laughs> you could sweat this much. <laughs> I can see your hoo ha. <laughs> Just spring like a frog off yeah. the cliff. 